You're listening to the Soul Care Podcast. I'm Elaine Hamilton, the founder of the Soul Care House, a group of therapists working in community with a shared perspective about the path towards healing and change. This podcast is about creating a space for real conversations about real life struggles, a place where you can gather insight and support for issues that are relevant to you and the people you love. So sit back, put your feet up, and let's talk. Charlie, you and I are going to do another two-parter today. Back at it again. Right? Boom. (laughs) So uh, we thought we'd talk about couples and like how do you be a good partner for someone. And one of the big things that comes up a lot when we're uh, talking to folks about their relationship with others is this idea of acceptance versus can I ask you to change, right? So... Mm -hmm. Um, we thought we'd sort of divide that up into two episodes and today talk about how do I come to terms with who my partner is and um, find a way to understand that and to work with that. Um, and and so we're going to talk about some of those things today and we're going to address uh, personality, we're going to address family of origin issues, and then we're also going to talk about... <laughs> Trauma. Trauma. <laughs> You could leave that in. I was having some trauma right there. Couldn't mm-hmm. remember. Trauma dissociative, dissociative state. And I accept that about you. <laughs> this is just what you bring to the podcast. I don't judge it. That's very generous. Nor am I at this point asking you to change it. Maybe eventually if you keep if it gets real making annoying. these egregious mistakes. <laughs> and you're worried. Uh, she's sliding into dementia. It's happening. It's yeah. finally happening. We will have a talk eventually. But about that. For now, I will accept it. Okay, appreciate that. <laughs> okay, so in a healthy relationship, right? Like people are able to do both, right? They're able to say, "Hey, I got some issues that I need to talk to you about that we have to work on," and they're also able to say, "Hey, I get that you're different than me, and I want to make sure that I'm not expecting you to be a carbon copy of me because that's really unfair." So that's what we're going to talk about is like how do we get to a place where we're able to do both of those things in a healthy kind of way right and i think the acceptance helps us uh depersonalize certain things helps us create compassion Mm -hmm. for our partner more and uh it also clarifies what we can expect because if i've if i've if i really understand their trauma history their personality and their family of origin well then i'm I'm, I'm going to, it's not going to be so surprising right. when certain behaviors or patterns come out because I've really embraced who they are in their background. And so it's like, ah, oh, not always that makes sense that you would respond that way. It may not be helpful. It may be something I need to work on, but I'm not, it's not so surprising mm-hmm. because I've done the hard work of like really getting to know them so I can uh, accept all their strengths and all their weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah, and this is sort of the stuff that happens after we get past the initial stage of a relationship, right? Where mm-hmm. in the beginning, we tend to idealize each other, right? It's like, you're so fabulous, you're so exciting, everything about you really works for me. And you're working really hard to keep all that yes, stuff packaged so yes. that like you don't leak all over me. Yeah. So these are the kind of conversations that come up once people have been together for maybe even just six months. I was going to say. Right? Like once we get past that. Honeymoon. We're like, Yeah. Now I'm getting to know who you really are, and um, you're not always thinking about me, and I don't like that. I like it better when you're always focused on me, but now you're being your own person sometimes. Right. You're not only affirming all the good in me. You're starting to point out the yeah. things that aren't so great, right. and you're starting to talk about what's hard for you about me. And right. 
Yeah. Yeah. So let's start with personality. So how can we help people um, explore not only their own personality type, but their partners as well and understand the meanings of that? What are are some of the things you like? Well, I think, one, we talk about the Enneagram all the time. I think that at the Soul Care House, that's our favorite. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, uh, getting to know yourself, first and foremost, and your Enneagram number, and we've talked about it in previous podcasts, but there's nine numbers. Uh, The Enneagram Institute, enneagraminstitute.com, is a great resource, and they have great tests on there, some free tests, some longer paid tests. So I think uh, finding a good test and taking it and learning about yourself uh, is great. Having your partner do the same thing will be really helpful. There's uh, The Way Back to You is a great mm-hmm. book on the Enneagram. The Liturgist podcast have broken down every number. Uh, that's very good. The, the Riso uh, uh, Hudson, uh, those are the Enneagram Institute founders. They've um, written a great, great mm-hmm. several books on the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. Richard Rohr has a great book on the Enneagram. Yeah. Lots of great resources on yeah. that. And a lot of great stuff on the Myers-Briggs as well. That's probably the other one that we point to at times is the kind of Carl Jung, uh, Jungian type indicator. The Myers-Briggs just took a lot of Carl Jung's stuff and everybody gets four letters like ENFJ or INFP and mm-hmm. and it also allows us to understand our personality. We use that one less, but it's also a helpful tool. Yeah. A lot, yeah. A lot of stuff online about that. I think there's a website, 16personalities.com. That's pretty good. Awesome. For the Myers-Briggs. Yeah. yeah. And I think the more uh, the more exploring you do about your personality type and your partners, the more the more uh, perspective you're going to have yes. when things are happening. And again, you know, you, you mentioned before, it's like it depersonalizes things. When I when I know my partner's personality structure pretty thoroughly, then I see what's coming at me in a moment of tension or in a moment of conflict or in a moment of stress in their life, right. then I understand, oh, this is why my partner is shutting down or this is why my partner's running around the house like a crazy person. It's like right. they're, they're struggling with their personality stuff right now. Right, and it's not about me as much as a lot of just how they've been probably since they were like five years old. Mm-hmm. And it's just how they operate in relationships. Yeah. The other thing I like about the Enneagram Institute is that you can, there's a... They've got summaries of how every type interacts with every other type. And so if you're a seven on the Enneagram married to a nine, you can look up how sevens and nines interact and what their strengths of the relationship are and what the difficulties are, which again just gives us another predictor of this is how we are going to look at our best and how we are going to look at our worst, which is a helpful helpful tool. I use that a lot for premarital counseling and couples counseling just to again, normalize, like, this is what it should look like. Is this what right. it looks like? And 90% of the time, it looks just like that. It's, yeah. It is really, it is, the personality is a system, which as we understand how it works for each person, it is predictable. Mm-hmm. And that's helpful. So what if we go through, just sort of give like a real brief little summary of like, if this is your number, your partner's probably going to see this in you or experience, right. you know, this is, this is going to be the stuff that they're going to be experiencing. Right. So this is kind of like, what, what do you have to accept and embrace about each person? Yes. So I'm an Enneagram one, uh, some of the basics for ones, like my, what my wife needs to embrace about me <laughs> would be one under stress. I'm going to get moodier. I could even get a little hopeless as a one. Mm-hmm. Um, ones also are real triggered by feeling misunderstood. 
Uh, they want to see the good and the perfect in life, and they get real frustrated when the pursuit of that is interrupted. That could include when the clean things that should be clean get dirty. It could be when <laughs> things that are supposed to be organized get disorganized. Yeah. It could be when piles and piles of crap start stacking up around the house. Hypothetically, this isn't my struggle. I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Um, and... Uh, they're, they're, they like things to be neat. Uh, even things like, <laughs> like everybody should shower every day. That's like a one that's rule. A rule. Yeah, okay. it's like okay. no, no yeah. dirty bodies. You know, that's gonna be <laughs> if you're married to a one, that might be a big value for them. Um, and uh, they're prone to criticism. They're prone to perfectionism, and um, their strengths. So they can be real advocates, real, mi- real missional, and and have a lot of purpose and. Uh, their weaknesses are they can be mean and angry and, mm-hmm. and they seethe with resentment under the surface. And they're, they're also in the group called what we call the um, responsibility group. And so they, with ones, twos, and sixes are the three types that carry the most responsibility. And they're in the competency group with ones, threes, and fives. And so ones are uniquely sort of poised to carry the burden of responsibility and competency that they should be good at everything. And so there's a lot of stress that can come from that. Sounds exhausting to be a one, right? It's kind of so exhausting. very fulfilling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm a two, which is also in the responsibility right. department, right? And so in some ways I'm like you in mm-hmm. that way of like I'm I'm always looking for like what is my job here? Um, you know, I, somebody might be struggling to open a door and of course it's my job to to help them with that. Somebody can't get find directions of course that's my job somebody drops their food on the floor of course that's my job right right like these things are automatic for me that i'm going to jump before even thinking with it's just an automatic response to jump in and help and the downside of that is i will exhaust myself doing that and i'm also angry when other people are not doing that Right. right. It's like, what is wrong with everybody? Can't they see this woman can't open the door? Can't they see that? You know. Right. So to struggle with the resentment that comes when you're not appreciated the way you want to be appreciated. So I might do a whole bunch of things at home. And if my husband doesn't notice all of them, like, oh, my gosh, the kitchen is so clean. And oh, my gosh, you organized that whole thing. It's like these things are very important to me. And right. I, it's, it's offensive that he doesn't notice. <laughs> Right. So these are dumb conversations we have where I'm like, I might drag him around the house and say, I just, can you just come and look at this? Can you come and look at, I, like, I, I organize this whole right. closet and he's like, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Couldn't care less. <laughs> oh my yeah, I... gosh, it's beautiful. So helpful. Right. So twos are going to struggle with over being over responsible for others, under responsible for themselves and um, are going to wear themselves out. And then generally the people closest to them are, the, are going to be the ones who are paying for that over giving. And I think my sense is with twos that, you know, for ones, if you're going to really attune to them well, you're going to need to validate you are right. That's true. A mm-hmm. lot with twos. I think it's more around affirmation. Yeah. I'm with you. I see everything you're doing. Yes. Like, uh, thank you so much for how helpful you are. Yes, like that true. appreciation, if you're married to a two, will go a long way. Yeah. Sweet. So threes. Okay. I think if you're married to a three, I think the things you want to watch out for is uh, one, image management is a big deal. And mm-hmm. so um, I know threes who struggle to let go of like what their spouse looks like, how their kids present. Um, they want to show up socially very well, well-dressed, well put together, mm-hmm. say the right things, do the right things, and they can get really triggered by their spouses if they're not like careful with their words in groups. Or Oftentimes, threes will sort of 
compulsively correct their partner uh, mm-hmm. and sort of police their behavior because it makes them look bad and, and like they're not fitting in. Threes a lot of times, <clears throat> well, threes want to be impressive. That's the biggest desire. So if you're married to a three, they're probably a pretty impressive person in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. but they're also overly burdened by looking unimpressive and, and terrified of the rejection that could come from with not fitting in or being impressive. Um, a lot of threes I know carry a lot of anxiety uh, around all of that. They're usually high performers. They often care a lot about money and status, but not always. They're the most com- competitive type. Mm. And so like, if you're married to a three and they compete with you, that's not personal. Right. They're just really competitive. Right. And so again, part of the acceptance of like, why do you always have to compete with me? It's like, mm-hmm. well... They were born competitive. That's right. that's just what we would expect. And so with all the numbers, this is stuff that they also need to work on. Every number has to work on letting go. But again, as their spouse, if we can really embrace these things, it takes some of the mm-hmm. intensity out of it. Mm-hmm. I, so you're married to a four. I'm married to a four. Fours are, uh, they struggle with envy and comparison. And so they're often will be, they need to talk a lot about why other people are doing something and they're not, or other people are good at something and they're not, and they need a lot of reassurance and perspective. Like, hey, don't forget, you're also really, really good at A, B, and C. Like, I know you're mm-hmm. not good at these things, but you you are this. Affirmation, affirmation, affirmation. Okay. And fours are super sensitive to criticism. They already feel unworthy and not enough. And so anything you add on to that is gonna make it 10 times worse. Um, I think uh, fours also are, are extremely creative. And if they feel believed in and really affirmed, will work very hard to make their partners and other people happy. Mm-hmm. But they need to know you believe in them. Yeah. And if they think that you, you don't like them or don't believe in them, they may just withdraw and, yeah. and, and go, go away. And they also need to be, I've noticed that with fours, being understood in the details is very important. Like they might cor- they might disagree with you a lot, and that can be very frustrating for one, um, <laughs> because you're not getting the details right. Yeah. And so you might say like, "Oh, remember that beautiful day where it was 60 degrees and you just loved it when we were at the beach?" And they say, "Well, it was 55, and I I didn't love it. I really liked it." And you're like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> you know." But that's important. It's like right. their experience and how they experience life is very important, and they often want to be really understood. Right. In that. Yeah. And fives, would you say they're the most internal number? Yeah. They say fives will give you everything but themselves. Uh-huh. Generous. Will, will tell you what they're thinking about. They'll let you borrow their books. They'll give you money. They'll, But what they complain about with fives is, is they won't let you inside. Mm-hmm. And so if you're married to a five, you may feel sort of lonely or cut off from their inner life. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're very introspective. They're researchers. They like to take their time on decisions. Um, they can, they are in the competency group, so they can be quite successful. They often run their own businesses and are good at that. But uh, it's going to be hard to connect. They're cerebral, yeah, yeah and they need yeah. patience. Like if you if you go after a five aggressively, they will go inward. Yeah. Four fives and nines, they say, have the lowest internal boundaries. And so if you're not careful with a four, five, and nine with your words, they'll they'll shut down. Like mm-hmm. it, it goes, they're sensitive. It goes way in. Mm-hmm. So we have to be mm-hmm. careful with our five friends. Yes. And the sixes are very security oriented. So what are they going to look like in, in a relationship? Uh, the sixes that I've seen, uh, one, sixes often struggle to make a decision about the relationship, and that can feel very personal. Mm-hmm. Like, why won't he or why won't she just choose me and commit? Yeah. And sixes need to deliberate about everything because they're really afraid of making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. They say sixes struggle with PTSD, 
pre-traumatic stress syndrome. Like oh. they're terrified of what's, what's what happen. could happen, wow. always anticipating how this decision might blow up in their face. And so yes. that's part of why it's scary to make the decision, including committing to a relationship or proposing or getting married. Um, yeah, sixes like stability. They're extremely loyal. They may have a hard time leaving jobs, leaving churches, leaving social situations. They like to stick it out. Mm-hmm. Richard Rohr, the Catholic priest, jokes that if the Catholic Church isn't careful, it'll just be full of sixes. Like, <laughs> they'll lose everybody else but sixes. And so, um, yeah, our sixes are, are extremely loyal partners, but oftentimes it, what can bother their spouses or their partners is a is the lack of decisiveness. Mm-hmm. They drag their feet mm-hmm. and they need a lot of patience. Yeah. And then sevens are the life of the party. They've got a lot of energy. They've got endless ideas. There's no fun that doesn't sound good to them, right? Like mm-hmm. seven parties in a weekend sounds awesome, right? So they're just always going. Um, they're afraid of missing out, right? Right. Um, but they tend to be more in their heads, right? So they're... Um, they're not maybe uh, as in touch with their feelings side. Right. They say right. five, sixes, and sevens might think their feelings. Mm. So they're not feeling their feelings. They're thinking about them. Isn't it interesting I'm sad? And it's like, well, it's interesting. <laughs> maybe feel the sadness. Are you actually not, sad? Not think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So they can be a lot of fun, mm-hmm. but they can also be difficult to connect with because they're so in their heads, maybe. Yeah. and they're, Would you describe it like that? And they're also described as being sort of in flight all the time, like flighting. Mm. Like like Sevens will joke about, you know, I, I could not wait until I actually could get on vacation. But as soon as I got off the plane in Hawaii, I'm already thinking about my next vacation. Yes. It's the next adventure, the next thing. And so yes. being present, I think, is something that their partners often are frustrated with. Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel like you're here. You're mm-hmm. thinking about things. You're planning the next party. I just want you right here. I want all of your attention. Mm-hmm. And for Sevens, that can feel very constricting. Uh, like stifling, they need a lot of adventure. They want a lot of options. They're usually very extroverted, mm-hmm. and so uh, for the especially sevens, marry twos a lot, and twos can feel very hurt by that because it's like, yeah. why aren't you paying attention to me? Right, you know? right. You're you... always busy out there. Right. Yeah. And then eights. You're married to an eight. I'm married to an eight, and eights have a lot of energy. I think they say that eights have the most energy mm. of all the numbers, right? Mm. And uh, so they're they're going to be going, 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 similar to sevens, I think, in a lot of ways. Maybe because my husband has a seven wing for sure, right? Like right. all of that um, excitement and activity and adventure is really important to him. Uh, but eights are f- afraid of being controlled, and so they do a lot of push against, right? So <laughs> you have to be careful about how you ask for things that you want and need because they're going to experience that as a threat or as a right. rejection well, or as a, you're trying to control. And something we don't think a lot about is that fours, sixes, and eights are in the, in- are the intensity group, so they're the most sensitive in a lot of ways. And we don't think of eights as being sensitive, yeah. but they are. Yeah, because they 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 can be hard driving and make things happen, right? Like they can be amazing leaders and really get stuff done. Some would say right? the best natural leaders. Mm, mm-hmm. But what do you think is important for people to know if they're married to an eight? Like, what would you tell? What would you coach someone on? Is yeah, like... I mean, I think that that what you said about them being sensitive, I think that's a really important thing to keep in mind because they don't look sensitive. They look like they're in charge all the time. And so I think keeping in mind that actually there's there's some fragility underneath that like that look that like I've got it all together. And so um, trying to 
trying to um, address that that things tenderly yep. with that person. Yes. Right? That That's something to keep in mind. And I've heard that eights often feel afraid that it's all going to fall apart, so they don't trust the power to anybody else, because their mm-hmm. gift is power. Mm-hmm. But they often are burdened by that, too, because... Well, if I hand it over, people will abuse it, they'll use it, they'll be mean to me. So I have to keep all the power, which sometimes can feel like to a spouse, you're powering up on me. Yeah. But that's really about fear. Yeah. Yeah, and if you know it's about fear, that gosh, that's such a relief, right? You're not actually trying to control me. Right. You're, you're scared. Right. Right? So that's really important to keep in mind. For sure. And then the nines, the peacemaker types. So oftentimes... Yeah, I think the, the thing that's hardest that people talk about being, well, the strength of being married to a nine is nines are the buddy. And so they'll they'll go with the flow. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do? Whatever you want to do. Like, well, how about we go to this restaurant? Sure. Like, there's just, yeah. they are very flexible, very sweet, very kind. They don't like conflict, so they're not going to fight with you. Um, the challenge of being married to a nine is what I hear the most from people is they'll say, one, I want them to have more of a sense of self. I want them to know what they like, what they want, what they need. They're always worried about what I want and what I think and what mm-hmm. I need but I, and what I feel. But I want them to know themselves better. I want them to enter in. And for nines, that can be overwhelming to get to enter into their internals. And they say that nines... Um, nines... Um, they can get a little too go with the flow. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times nines will marry the productivity types like ones and threes. And ones and threes get really frustrated because they're like, I need your help. I need you to yeah. do more. I need you yeah. to engage more. Um, mm-hmm. But again, a lot of it for nines is they get overwhelmed. It's not It's not like they just don't want to engage. It's, yeah. it's life is overwhelming. Um, conflict is overwhelming. So you have to be really, really gentle with a nine and assertive, yeah. honest and direct. But Because um, sometimes they get labeled as lazy when, when really what's right. happening is that they're overwhelmed, right? right? There's just, they're spending so much of their energy sort of monitoring what everybody else wants and needs, and that is exhausting. Right. And what they say about a nine, if you ask a nine, like, what do you want from your marriage? Every single nine, 100% of them has answered that question to me with, I want my partner to be happy. Yeah. And what they get overwhelmed with is I feel like I can't make you happy. And so mm-hmm. they just shut down mm-hmm. because what's the point of trying yeah. if I can't make you happy? Yeah. And so that can look like laziness, but a lot of times it's just hopelessness. Yeah. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is that nines need to get in touch with their anger. And so if you're married to a peace a peacemaker nine, underneath the surface there could be a lot of deep anger. And yeah. it actually is helpful if you help them access that. Yeah. Awesome. So that's sort of a bit of a summary, and um, it's been very helpful for us, I would say, to when couples want to go and look at the Enneagram, want to read about it, um, I think it really just helps them go, oh, you're doing that thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're doing that two thing, or you're doing that eight things. Like, now I understand what that's about. Right. Um, like, for example, in my relationship with Ken, I think before before I understood that about him, I, I felt a lot of tension of, like, he wanted to go, 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 right? Like three parties on a weekend. I'm like, I can't do three parties in one day. It's too mm-hmm. much for me, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of arguments about like, I just can't run at your pace. And that was something I was always saying, I cannot run at your pace. And now I understand that this is part of how he's wired. It's part of his response to his own um, family of origin and um, that he just needs to be free to go, right? right. Like just go ahead and go. Um, 
I don't feel bad about you going, and I don't I, I, I don't want to feel bad about not going well, myself. Right? And I would say I would wonder if, as Ken as an eight, would also need to know, can you marry to two? Yes. And so you may need to free Elaine up to not yes. feel bad 100%. if she doesn't go with you. Yes, because I, for a long time, felt so guilty. Like, I'm wrecking his life because I don't want to go to this party again, right? right? Like, I want to I want to stay home. I need to, like... I need to watch some Netflix. I need to just like hunker down, right? right. And I, I, so I'm ruining things for him because I don't have the energy that he has. So that was a big tension, and it's it is super helpful. He does this. <laughs> he does this when we go gross, when we go to uh, shopping. So if we'll go to anthropology or something, he'll say, "I want you to just go ahead and go. I'm going to sit out here on a bench. I'm going to be very busy doing something." And you just take as long as you want. Just come back whenever you're done because I'm going to be very busy out here. I don't need you. <laughs> I'm just going to do my own thing. It's so freeing. You're to not a like, burden. You're not yes, taking I can just them. I can just do what I want because I if he if he's if someone is in the store with me, I am monitoring the whole time. Are you having fun? Are you bored? Are you tired of this? Should I stop looking at this? What do you want to do instead? Right? Because right. the two in me is constantly. What should I be doing to make this work better for you? So it's very helpful to have people in my life who say, you don't have to worry about me right now. I'm taking care of myself. I would really like for you to take care of yourself. That would make me happy. Huge. The last thing I think about the Enneagram that might be important to know is there's three ways of, uh, we talk about soul care a lot, three ways of solving or coping with problems. Mm -hmm. And each type copes is in one of three groups. So one, threes, and fives, which is the productivity group, they cope with problems by wanting to fix it. So if you're married to a one, three, or five, where they might jump first is like, what do we have to do about this? And they're going to feel the burden of problem solving. Two, sevens, and nines are the positivity group. And so they may go first to like, hey, first of all, before we start problem solving, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Like, let's just remember, you know, it could be God's got us, or it could be we're all going we're gonna to stick together in this. It's going to be fine. Let's just, let's not forget mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. the goodness of life or whatever, right. which can bother the competency group because it's like, yeah, good. Good feelings, all that is nice, but, like, we have a problem to solve. Mm-hmm. And then the four, sixes, and eights, the sensitivity group, they want to cope by often just expressing how they feel about something. And so... Um, a lot of times, again, that can be frustrating if it's just, okay, you're telling me a lot of feelings, like uh, the car broke down. I'm really scared we won't be able to get a new car. I'm really overwhelmed that we need to take it to the mechanic. And it's like, great, you're mm-hmm. feeling that way. The mm-hmm. other types can get frustrated by that. But the more we understand where our, who our partner is and how they cope with problems, it, again, brings compassion. Like, of yes. course, first you're going to have to express your feelings about it, or first you're going to have to be positive about it, or first you're going to have to uh, problem solve. But... Ideally, we can actually all do all three of those. That's a really helpful way to cope. Mm-hmm. It's important for me as a one to actually express my feelings about how I feel about problems. And Heather can help me do that. Nice, nice. So that's sort of a, that's a real quick, you know, yeah. blow through all the types. And we would just, we would encourage you guys to um, read it. If that resonates um, and feels helpful, encourage you to explore that and get to know your type real well, get to know your partner's type real well, um, because it, it really will be helpful in terms of bringing yourself down um, when you get escalated because your partner's doing something that makes you feel crazy, right? right. And then you can move from from that to like, oh, he's he or she is doing this because of X, Y, Z. I can have compassion for that. This isn't really about me. And then when they come down, when, later when we're not upset, we can have a conversation about that that will actually address this in a deeper way. Yes. And that'll be helpful. So 
personality stuff, super helpful to learn about your partner. And especially Next. with acceptance. Yeah, yes. What... Yes. Um, another thing that really helps is related to that, um, which is family of origin. So trying to get to know a lot of things about how your partner was raised, what went on in their family, what were some of the rules in the family, how do people handle conflict, how do people ha- handle anger, um, what happened when bad things happened, like what did, what did we do when something scary happened, right. um, and just, just getting to know like wh- what is your partner used to from their family of origin, because they're going to be responding in ways that are a reflection of what they experienced as children. 100%. I mean, that's, you know, if you think about it, your partner spent 18 to 25 years or longer in a very specific home environment where uh, very specific perspectives, very specific ideas were conditioned into them over and over and over and over and over again. And then they met you, dated you for a year or two, and married you. Mm-hmm. Maybe they dated you longer than that, but mm-hmm. or committed to you or whatever. So they were conditioned out of the womb for 18 to 25 years a certain way, and now you're going to join their way and your way together into one. That's a challenge. Right. And uh, all the things you said, money, sex, anger, how we raise kids, the role of men and women, God, values, ethics, all that mm-hmm. is, is all, we could have very different views on a lot of that. And it can feel so personal when they disagree with us. Right. Why would you carry a credit card balance? Like We right. always paid off our credit cards in my house. And that's like, the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Yeah. My dad always taught me that. Or, yeah. you know, you're not allowed. My parents went out to dinner once a month. That's mm-hmm. it. You, mm-hmm. you can't go twice in a week. Yeah. It's just unhealthy. You know? Right. It's right. like, oh, we can, yeah. we can get conditioned. Or we must, we must have dinner together at the table. I think that was one of the things that Ken and I argued about a right. lot is that in, in my family we grew up, we all sat around the dinner table um, every day, and in his family, everybody played sports, and so everybody sort of ate on their own, and so it wasn't a value. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I really had t- a hard time getting that that was just a difference in how we were raised, rather than something that he didn't he didn't value. Right? That's that's how I thought of it. So he doesn't value being together as a family, which is mm-hmm. totally not true. Um, but well, we can make those things about the other person's yes, character. Yes. Like Ken has crap character he doesn't care about dinner yes yeah versus versus this is how he was raised right. and he values sports and he thinks this is exciting and building for the kids and so this is what he wants to do and right. we had a lot of trouble navigating that um because we didn't know enough about each other and didn't know enough about each other's family history and didn't have perspective right about that when me and heather first got married we would fight over and over and over again about uh how much stuff we had and a lot of that was because when I was growing up, we would have garage sales every year or two, and my mom would go through all my toys and say, okay, like you can make some money if you sell your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and your G.I. Joes and your stuffed animals, and then as I got older, your old sports equipment and your old clothes and all that stuff. And so there was this routine of getting rid of stuff, selling it at the garage sale, and then making some money. Heather's parents, as um, Heather was attached to a lot of her stuff, and I think her mom felt kind of bad, and so they would put it in bins and put it in the attic. Mm-hmm. And then as we got married, every every six months or so, more bins would show no. up in my garage, yeah, <laughs> right. of cheerleading outfits and collector plates mm-hmm. and all this stuff from Heather's childhood, and it was like, 
this is breaking the rules. And again, if yeah. we integrate, I'm yeah. a one on the Enneagram plus right. I'm trained plus. to get rid of stuff. Mm-hmm. You get this double trouble yeah. of, of frustration and right. um, having to learn that one, keeping things isn't the end of the world yeah. and having to negotiate with her that she actually really likes a clean and organized uh, garage and closets and stuff mm-hmm. and has been really great about getting rid of things. But it takes and knowing that she's a four to be patient not critical you know you have right. to all these things had to be learned yes. i have to embrace who you are where you come from what your personality is right. so that i can love you well which is what this is right. all about i want to love you well as my partner yeah i need to know you deeply to do that yeah because otherwise we're getting stuck in what this means about you and what this means about how you feel about me Right? Like in yep. a really negative way. This means you don't care. This means you don't love. This means you don't try. This means whatever. Right? We can get really stuck in that in the intensity of the moment. And so we need we need all the all this ammo to be able to like, you know, I'm going to have to calm myself down and think through this. And what's what else is, is in play here sure. in this dynamic about whether we're throwing things out or keeping them or how we're spending money, that there are a lot of other factors that are playing into how these decisions are being made, but they feel very emotional in the moment when we're confronted with the difference. Right. And we get really stuck in the emotion and make a lot of decisions about the meaning of that from the emotion rather than like, gosh, I need to take a minute. And, you know, is it okay if some people save and some people spend? Like, I guess it is. Is it okay if some people save and some people throw things away? I guess it is. Like, I guess both of those things are reasonable, right? Right. It all belongs. Yeah, it all belongs. And oftentimes we split to the extreme of either one of, we, we polarize it. It's, yeah. it's this way or it's that way. It's black or it's white. Yeah. And oftentimes marriage forces us to get more gray and more mm-hmm. balanced, which is good, you yeah. know, but can be very painful too. Yeah. So lots of things to find out about family of origin regarding sort of these um these kind of these kind of relational interactions and then also some things about like um it's good to ask questions like who did you go to when you needed to be comforted Mm -hmm. when you were hurt when you were sad what did you do with those feelings and um so you you can find out did did your partner have someone to go to and what did that partner do when they went right so um it can be really helpful to understand uh, I think I heard somebody recently say, when uh, when my partner gets sick, I get real mad. Mm. So like, why are we getting mad? There's a story behind that, right? In the same way that for me, when when someone gets sick, um, I'm going to bring out like the little, we have the like sick bell. I want to take really good care of you because in my family, when one of us got sick, we got attention. Mm-hmm. When we weren't sick, we didn't get much attention. <laughs> but when we were sick, we got mm-hmm. some real nice attention. So right. there's something beautiful that I feel invited into when someone is sick, which right. is right, real different than this other person. But neither of these things are right or wrong, good or bad. They're just a reflection of experiences in your family. So right. we want to ask a lot of questions about what happened when you were sad? What happened when you were hurt? What happened when... Uh, how did you guys do family vacations? What would you guys do? Would you sit around? Would you do a lot of activities? Like, there's just so many things to learn yep. about your partner that they're going to take these things are going to take you by surprise. Right, and even the best premarital counseling where we we ask a yes. hundred questions about how things were done, you're going to bump into surprises. For sure. And that's normal to, to, to realize, wow, I really prefer a very, very different way of doing the holidays or doing mm-hmm. date nights or doing vacations. But the more I'm prepared to like 
embrace where I came from, where they came from, to recognize it not as personal. It's a lot easier to ne- renegotiate and 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 move forward, problem solve, if I'm not just loaded up with resentment and intensity because mm-hmm. this person does it the wrong way. Right, right. So I think we can say that anytime you hear yourself saying in your head, this is the wrong way, right? like my yeah. partner's doing this wrong, that's probably a cue, right? To go, oh, oh, this is my stuff, banging against their stuff. Yep. And I need to try to figure out how to understand them better so I can get myself out of that that um, block that I've, I've sort of created for myself, right. that category. Um, so last, last piece that might be helpful with accepting your partner is understanding trauma, their trauma history. Um, it's hard to find people who don't have some kind of trauma history, whether it was like being bullied in school or mm-hmm. coming from a family where there might have been abuse or some neglect or whether there was just like a lot of criticism or a lot of quietness in the house, right? Like there's a lot of ways that people experience trauma. Being left alone too much. Yes. Um, accidents they've been in. Um, violations, mm-hmm. uh, you know, physical violations, right? Like uh, lots of women have have had um, boundary violations or, or worse, sexual abuse, some kind of harassment there. So um, it's really important to know these things about your partner because they're going to come up. These things are going to come up. Um, they're going to get triggered in situations that feel or smell like something like what happened in the past. So... Right. Um, what, what do you think people ought to, how, how would you suggest people go about understanding these pieces about trauma? Yeah, I mean, I, I think to say trauma is all about intensity. And so what we want to know is what kind of environments were you in that were just too intense? It was, it was too much to be left alone that much. Or it was, it was really, really hard to be bullied the way I was bullied or I was touched inappropriately or whatever, whatever it was. Uh, I had a really intense experience or I was in a lot of intensity for a long time. Like my parents would fight and fight and fight and fight and it just went on for years. Like that may not be one event. It's just a certain environment that was just really, really, really intense. And so we just want to know, you know, what, what kind of environments were you in? Maybe asking, uh, in counseling could be good or on a quiet evening when it's just the two of you and you have time to talk, you know, it'd be helpful if you could share with me, um, what are four or five of the of some things I should know that mm-hmm. happened to you and mm-hmm. do you have any significant violations um, there's a way to do that that is appropriate and gentle and leaving lots of time there's also the way I did it which was <laughs> towards the end of a phone call to basically say to my soon-to-be fiance Heather at the time oh hey real quick uh, I just want to make sure I check some boxes and I just went through a list of like three or four horribly traumatic uh, yeah. things that a lot of women go through and just said, those things haven't happened, have they? <laughs> and one of them had happened. Um, yeah. And so that created this awkward pause. She kind of got off the phone flustered. And then it was like, oh, that was, why Why did I really assume that it hadn't happened? Yeah. And now I really put her in a pretty painful predicament. She's yeah. got to share this thing with me that she wasn't ready to share. And so it's, yeah. you know, to give our partner a heads up, I'd, I'd really like us to talk about our trauma histories. I think it's important for us to know each other. Is there a context that would feel safest for you mm-hmm. to do that? A time that would feel safest for you? Yeah. And then to share those things could be pretty hard, could be painful. Yeah. But you want to know those hot button areas not to step on. 
Because yeah. if I've been violated, I might get mad when you interrupt me or tickle me or if we're play wrestling or something. Mm-hmm. Or if I've been bullied, I might get really, really triggered when I feel like I don't belong or I'm being rejected. I mean, mm-hmm. those, those traumatic areas create big triggers. Yeah. And if you don't know what the triggers are, you will step on them. For sure. And that will yeah. cause big fights. Yeah. And we're we're so used to, in the early stages of the relationship at least, seeing our partner as the best version of themselves and the version of themselves that is giving to us, is making us mm. feel good about ourselves. And right. so when these things start to occur, it can feel very uh, disorienting. It's like, I, I didn't see that coming. I didn't expect that. I don't know what that means. And I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I want you to go back to being the person who's like, calm and sweet to me and fun right right? i don't like seeing these underbelly pieces of you that where you're scared or you're you're escalated or you're anxious withdrawn overwhelmed yes yeah i don't like seeing those parts of you and i I sort of want to shake you and make you stop doing them right? right i think that's often a way that we respond it's like how can i get you to stop doing that right and if we're not essentially if we're not ex we really want to go into marriage or into even dating just expecting, like, this person has a personality. So they have a, a true self and a false self, a light side and a dark side, so to speak. Like, they have mm-hmm. patterns they're going to go to that aren't helpful. Mm-hmm. They have a family of origin that has done great things and done harmful things. They yeah. they have a trauma history. If we just assume I'm going to see it, yeah. it hopefully will be less surprising when it shows up. And, again, less personal, like you're saying, of like, oh, there it is. Like, I knew it was going to come. Yeah. There it is. I and mean, we there joke about is. that when we hire somebody. Like, yes. what is it? We yes. know we're going to see it. Just tell us what it is. <laughs> like, it'll be a lot easier if we just name it now than in six months. Right. Right. And so in friendships across the board, it's like, mm-hmm. it's going to show up. Yeah. We might as well just name what it is. That's great. Wow, that was a lot of stuff. That was intense. I hope we didn't overwhelm you guys too much. The, Maybe, I don't know. Right, right. <laughs> and we, we talked about just inviting the audience to just reflect. Yes. I think that's sort of our invitation is, is yes. uh, think about these things, talk with your partner about these things, and yeah. um, we hope that goes well. Yeah. And then in our next episode, we're going to talk about how do you have effective conversations about the pieces that we, we need to address, right? We're like, the right. way this is coming out is kind of damaging to me, to us, to our family. Yep. We've got to address this. We understand why it's happening, and we appreciate that. We have compassion for that. And we accept but, the why. Yes, we accept the why. Sometimes we can't accept mm-hmm. what's the, the behavior. Yes, exactly. So we'll we'll come up with that. I'm I'm expecting genius stuff from you because <laughs> nice. nice. I'll get to working on that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye, we'll talk everybody. to you guys soon. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Soul Care House podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions or comments you have? If there are topics you'd like us to address, let us know. Feel free to contact me at Elaine at SoulCareHouse.com. If you're interested in knowing more about what we do here at Soul Care. Our website is soulcarehouse.com, and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle there is soulcarehouse and barn. Talk to you soon.